it's unnerving in a way that doesn't make you feel better at the end. The one with Paul Rudd was okay, but this one's going to be a problem, for real? What? <laughs> Love Paul Rudd. Well, here's the thing. I'll never show this here, because I don't ever want to sit through it again. Yeah, this week more than ever, got to keep it real. Got to be real, Cheryl Lynn, who got her start on the gong show. Did you know that? I don't know who Cheryl Lynn is, so no, where, I did not where know Where are that. my gong show watchers out no. here? Doing? There we go. And not, yeah. I, don't, I, don't mean the new, I don't mean the new rebooted nobody Mike saw Myers that. that lasted about a week or yeah, two. Nobody yeah, saw the that. original gong show. She, the funny thing was, she, she didn't even win her, her week. She didn't get gonged, of course, but, but she went on to get a recording contract and a couple of hits. Anyway, we're keeping it real this week as we do the Fright Club podcast live from the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, where we do Fright Club live once a month. Great crowd, as always. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. And uh, we want to say, well, we want to say thanks, first of all, to S.A. Bradley, because the last Fright Club podcast was part two of our best endings. That's right. And he uh, it was nice enough to join us twice because we could not narrow it down. We couldn't even do fuzzy math. We had to have so many that we did too. And even so, we missed out on, oh, a, yeah, on a few Tom. as we were talking in happy yeah, hour before this. Yeah, Tom Tammy pointed out Raw, which is a great ending. Great ending. It's actually one of my favorite endings. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a so- movie that's not really known for its humor, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many great endings, and he brought a lot of great insight, a lot of great knowledge. So uh, thanks so much. From uh, Hellbent for Horror, if you don't already listen to that podcast, it is actually a great podcast. Yeah, very much so. And uh, so tonight we're going to talk about realism in horror, and we're going to show one of, as we always do, one of that's in our, it's on our countdown, the Snowtown Murders. Which is a great one, and very alarmingly realistic you know, and it's funny, uh, I think that uh, horror films, a lot of times people are interested in horror films as sort of, sort of an escape, uh, and uh, you know, like monster movies and zombie movies, and, and a lot of times really the realism in horror is, is, doesn't tend to be a favorite, I think, because it's unnerving in a way that doesn't make you feel better at the end, you know, you're not like, oh, but he's at a campground in a hockey mask, and so he's not going to come get me, you know, it's like... <laughs> Oh my God, that was the most god awful, horrible, brutal thing. And a lot of these are based on true stories because yeah. I think a lot of times filmmakers feel like that's the most authentic and, and kind of respectful way to present that uh, kind of material. Yeah. So as we get into that, it also leads us to another question. We want to give away another Fright Club t shirt. We do. Throughout the week. So we got a question that kind I of gave ties one to in. Natalia. Does she get that? that no, she count? gets one. That's okay. Fine. She just gets one. She's, she's <laughs> a big wig here now. That's right. You know, she's got the power. <laughs> so we want to throw it out on Twitter. We're at Fright Club Pod on Twitter. Follow us if you haven't already. And what's the question for a? We're looking for the best answer to get a Fright Club T-shirt. Yeah, and uh, and because uh, so often the realism and horror is they tend to be the movies that are based on true events. So what is do you think? What's the best horror film that is based on true events? Don't tell me now or do. I don't really care. But <laughs> See, you got some yeah, time to think about it. Yeah, and and, uh, and tweet at uh, at us at, at Fright Club Pod, and we'll pick the best one, and give away a T-shirt. So we look forward to that. It was actually, this is a big week. It's been a good couple of weeks for horror film, films in general. Since course, the last time we did this, yeah, yes. Since our last podcast, because of course we've had Hereditary come out. Woo-hoo! A lot of conversation about that. We both love it. I know not everybody does. There's some people that have been not been as keen on it as, uh, as others. Looking at you, Bridget. And, um, <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but we loved it. So that's doing good things at, uh, in, in the movies for 
for horror movies. And also, we had a couple of big trailers come out. The Halloween trailer. I am so excited about that movie. I am so excited about that movie. And I don't understand anybody who isn't. Because, you know, I mean, if there are, like, purists out there, like, what, the one with Paul Rudd was okay, but this one's going to be a problem, for real? What? <laughs> Love Paul Rudd. <laughs> and also, just today, the teaser trailer for The Nun came out. You know what? I was excited about that because the, the director did The Hallows, which I like very much, an Irish filmmaker, and they, right. know, they know nuns, they know Catholics. Um, <laughs> but, I don't know, the trailer just didn't really do anything well, for me. Well, it's just, you know, the it's teaser. just a mini trailer, so we'll teaser. see. But the, the Nun is creepy. As, she, as she, she was in the in the Conjuring too, so yep. we'll see what the backstory is there. And I think that's coming out in early September. Yeah. And what's the Halloween release date? Do we know what's the Halloween? Mid October. Okay, so we we'll look forward to both of those. So good stuff happening in horror, and good stuff happening tonight with the Fright Club Live as we uh, count them down our favorite real realism in horror movies. You know what? Before we jump into it, I want to thank because we haven't for a while. I want to thank Chris Hamill, the president and programmer at the Gateway Film Center, because. Yes. He, it's hard sometimes for him to get the movies that we pick. And so we do the easy part where we just come up with 12 movies that we really want to see in mm -hmm. a theater. And then we send them to him and he has to do the hard part of getting them. And it's funny, when we started this, the first movie I ever wanted to show at a Fright Club was the film The Woman starring Pollyanna McIntosh. And uh, the first place, the first theater that we went to, he was like, I can't get that. So we went to another theater. This is actually the third theater when we finally landed and called it home. The second place we went to was I was like, no, I can't get that. And we came <laughs> here and Chris emailed back. He goes, I'm not sure I can get the woman. And then I told this big sob but story about did. that being the whole reason that I ever wanted to do this in the first place. He got it. He got it. He got everything. He has, there's not been one movie in now three years that yep. he has not been able to get for so, us. So, yeah, big, big thanks. Thank but you so much, The other Chris. reason we want to thank him right now is because Hope is working on the list for next year That's right. right now. So <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, buddy. <laughs> and there's some good ones, hopefully, uh, coming next year for Fright yeah, I'm Club. I'm excited. And uh, some good ones uh, tonight, too, and we might as well start right off we because well, uh, yeah. we've, got, we've got a movie to show tonight, so we've got to get on it. And this one uh, comes from 2013. It's the young tour uh, in Hamburg seeking a new life among a religious group called the Jesus Freaks. And when he accidentally meets a family and helps them repair their car, he believes that a heavenly wonder has helped him, and he's wrong. It's nothing bad can happen. This one, as we said, is the case with a lot of these, inspired by true events. And if you watch this and you're familiar at all with the uh, films of Lars von Trier, you're, you're going to see some some similarities here because it's about heaping tremendous amounts of suffering on one character over and over again. I'm a big fan of Lars von Trier. Oh, well, uh, me too. Uh, Sometimes. But, <laughs> yeah, right. Usually. But this film... Um, I think the thing that makes this film so very unsettling is how realistic it is. And it's a story that's, that, that lends itself to horror but doesn't really take a, a traditional horror film path at all. And, it, and it's really the lead character um, is so sympathetic and frustrating at the same time. And you just watch where uh, early on this, this kind of no-account guy is attracted to this young man because, because he's so good. And then the longer they're together, this, this young man's goodness really just brings out the evil in the people around him. And it's so, well, here's the thing. I'll never show this here because I don't ever want to sit through it again. And it's a beautiful, brilliant, amazing movie that I don't have the stomach to watch a second time. It's just really, really, really tough, but incredibly well done. Now she says that, and I'm thinking, merit badge. We've, <laughs> we've done the merit badge once before. Anybody was here for Martyrs and sat through it got a merit badge. So let's get her a merit badge. But. No, it is, it is incredibly disturbing as it focuses on 
evil, well, well, faith, this, this young boy's tremendous faith mm-hmm. just staring down evil and how much will, he's, he's convinced that he, he's been sent this suffering for a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gets, yeah, it gets pretty, it gets pretty disturbing. And, and even more so when you realize that it was based on, based yes. on some true events and that is nothing bad can happen from 2013. Number five on our realistic horror. And there's a couple more you had put down here under this movie you wanted to mention. Yeah, a couple that, that you know, I think fall into the same category that are, are worth watching but are very hard to watch. One is Megan is Missing, which is very disturbing and punishing. It's not a great film. You know, there are a lot of times when you're watching it and you're thinking, but you it's know, effective. The, it's very, very effective, and it's very disturbing because I think of the, the realism involved. And the other one that is also not really a great film but is, is alarming and realistic is The Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is one that I've always really liked. But I think in the same way, you don't really want to watch any of those again. You watch them the one time and you're more or less done. You know, I was just thinking, and, and not to be funny about it, but I know a lot of people have mentioned Megan is Missing, and some people haven't seen it. That might be one that we should think about for next year, maybe? I no, know. I don't like it. No, we're not going to watch okay, it. Okay, so, okay. so I guess that question has been answered. <laughs> <laughs> moving right along, moving up to number four on our uh, horror realism list. This one is based on, again, a true story. This one of two scuba divers accidentally stranded in shark-infested waters after their tour boat has left. From 2003, Open Water. Daniel, where's the boat? That's a good question. As we are stuck in the middle of the ocean. Oh, God. Oh. It's okay. It's okay. This can't be happening. Oh God, something's Back when this movie first came out, uh, we were sitting with John Dean's wife, Heather Dean, and we were talking about John's how excited. John's here tonight, yeah. Yeah, Fright Clubber number one, how excited we were to see this movie. And uh, Heather Dean was like, I just can't believe they survived it. And we just looked at her like, and then we ruined the movie for her because <laughs> we didn't do it on purpose. It was no. just our face of, you, you might not want to see it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because sadly, it is based on a, a true story that I've read a, a good deal about. And it's, it's just incredible, especially both of us are s- certified scuba divers. And we saw this just a little bit. When we originally saw it, we were going on a vacation like in a few weeks later, weren't we? Yes. Actually, I think it was much sooner than that. I mean, I yeah. think we were leaving quickly yeah. to go on vacation and so, scuba dive. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's kind of like what Jaws did to beachgoers back in the day. You know, but it is. It's, uh, it's a real slow intensity. And it's very, you, you might be been able to tell on the, on the trailer, you know, it's grainy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times the look of it is grainy. So it almost feels sometimes like a, a home movie type of thing. It has that feel about it. But it feels very shockingly, grippingly real, especially as they get into that, that trouble that they get into. Right. I think part of it is that the, the two actors, Blanchard Ryan and Daniel Travis, really do come off as being married. They seem like they're just married people. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of real dialogue. I mean, it just seems like very toss-off, you know, let's get our shit together, we're going to miss the boat. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't, you don't feel like there's a story being crafted in front of you with the dialogue. They're very good and very believable. And then the camera work, for a really long time, it just kind of feels like you're sitting on a boat with people. I mean, there's nothing really very glorious about the camera work for a long time. And then all of a sudden, so uh, Chris Kentis is the filmmaker, writer, director, editor, choreographer, cinematographer, everything. 
And, you know, she has kind of dozed off in the water and she's floating and she looks around and she's panicking because she can't see her husband anymore. But the camera, instead of being on the water with them, is suddenly aerial. And what you can see is why she woke up. Something hit her foot. And the farther you go back, the more you see these huge animals right underneath her that she doesn't know is there yet. It's one of the most effective scenes in a, you know, in a, a monster movie that, that I can remember. And they also do a good job of making it believable. Well, obviously it's believable because it happened. But I mean, making it believable how the mix-up happened yeah. and the people on the boat forgot about that. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, is incredibly shocking and, and sad that it happened. But it's a, it's a gripping movie. And it also, I give the director, Chris Kentis, yeah. a credit. He, he gets a couple of sly uh, homages to Jaws, the two characters are named Susan and Daniel, and you only see, just for a split second or two, their ID cards, their, their uh, scuba diving ID cards, and their last names are Watkins, mm-hmm. and Chrissy Watkins was the, the first skinny dipper in Jaws, and Kintner, Alex Kintner, yeah, the, boy the boy in Jaws. So I'm like, tip of the hat. Nicely done <laughs> on that for open water. And there was another one you wanted to mention, kind of similar to this movie that actually we've shown here before as a Fright Club Live, and that's Compliance. Yeah, Compliance, uh, I mean, it seems funny to compare it to Open Water because they're, they're very different. But again, both of them are based on true events. And both of them, they're the kind of stories where on paper you're like, no way this happened. Right. You know, but not only did it really happen, but in both cases, the film really clearly shows you how this kind of thing could happen. Yeah. Just two very unnerving results. Very, very compliances. So unnerving. Which brings us up to number three, and this is the one that we're going to see tonight. Again, based on true events, young Jamie falls in with his mother's new boyfriend and his crowd of self-appointed neighborhood watchmen. 2011, The Snowtown Murders. Do you mind if I stay over? Course, man. You ever shot a gun before? You wanna shoot it? They're nobody, mate. They're nothing. And we found an empty theater to talk about tonight's movie, so we don't spoil anything for anybody. Snowtown Murders, this is one that, uh, well, I know it is very personal to our one of our correspondents that we talked to here on, right. on the podcast. That's right. Corey, Corey Metcalf, our senior Aussie correspondent. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, we've done a couple shows with him. One was Best Australian Horror, and then another we will talk about in, in a few weeks out, actually. And we've talked about this movie with him a couple times, and, and he doesn't care for it. And uh, it's not because he thinks it's a bad film. It's just it hits a little too close to yeah. home. And, uh, and I get the feeling when talking to him about it that, uh, maybe a lot of people in Australia feel that the same way. It's just yeah. not a topic they'd like to revisit. Right, because it's the story of the worst serial killer in Australia's history. Is that right? correct? Yeah. yeah, John Bunting Yes, was his name. And he's played here by Daniel Henshaw. Who, who could not be better. Is so great in this movie. Well, all the performances are very realistic, but he is just chilling because you look at him and he just looks like an average schlub. Yes. You know? Tank yeah. top and beer belly. And, but, you, you know, know. A very sweet face. Yeah. You know, and well, that's and, the whole thing. This movie really is a is a take on the different faces that, yeah. if you will, that evil can take and how someone like him, a sociopath like him can just draw you in. Yeah, Especially yeah, yeah. he can 
pinpoint an easy mark. Yes. Like this well, young boy. Yes. Well, there's a couple things that I think are, are really powerfully done in this movie. And one, one is, is kind of what you're saying. It's, it's just this image of a predator among prey. Which is reinforced by animals. That There's yes. different sequences in this yeah. movie with animals. Yep. And the predators and prey is really reinforced. And it's set in a, a very, very, very low rent uh, South Australia, you know, this, this slum area. And, and one of the things that it, that it really picks up on, first of all, is this family, uh, five boys and a, and a single mother, and just how you can see one adolescent boy really drawn to the idea of a strong male role model, but not and, just a strong, not, not necessarily your typical... Because one of the things you always see, he does repeatedly in this movie, he feeds everybody. Yes. He makes everybody food. He's John Bunting, caring yes. for them. He, is, he nurtures yeah. them in a way that they haven't had it. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you know, and he talks about how, you know, the law doesn't do anything to take care of these, you know, people on their end of town. And so, you know, he really touts this idea and sort of beats the drum among the neighbors mm-hmm. for vigilante justice yep. to, to justify what he's doing. But the longer he goes on, the more he does it, the more you realize he's not choosing people because they're bad people and he's a vigilante he's choosing the weakest in the herd right right and people that he deems unworthy yeah yeah exactly and well uh, at the end he's just saying people know nobody's going to notice well that too yeah, yeah it becomes more and more just straight cold-blooded like yes. that early on he's as you say rounding up the troops for a reason that these people shouldn't live you know yeah. and these people need to be dealt with uh, but yeah, you're right. Then it's like, is that, will anybody miss that person? Right. Yeah, and the uh, the filmmaker is Justin Kurzel. Yeah. And uh, he do, he does a great job with the realism and the like we just mentioned the symbolism with the predator and yeah. prey and the way the camera just floats around sometimes coming in with a close up. He gets great performances from everybody. So everybody. realistic. Everybody. Uh, we mentioned Daniel Henshaw, but then Lucas Pitt Pitaway. Yeah. Plays. Who plays young uh, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting on the set he had. Justin had the director, had the young actor stay away from the other actors mm. on, on purpose, mm-hmm. not to socialize, to to feed that feeling of isolation. Yeah. And then he was, like you say, drawn to this uh, role model, this male role model that he needed. Yeah. There was a time in his life he really needed yes. that. He wasn't getting it, and some, you know, some some terrible things happened to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he needs that role model, and boy, he, the predator and prey. There it is. He he. The predator saw that and just boom, boom easy pickings. Yep, I'm going to yep. take it. I'm going to move in and get him. You know, part of my murdering group. Yes. And it's yeah, it's it's very chilling and very, very stark. Yes. You know, yeah. and it's and it's which feeds the realism. And and also, uh, I mean, they play some audio, you know, that's very chilling and moving, but they don't show a great deal of violence. They show. A great deal of violence one time, mm-hmm. and then after that, every time somebody comes missing, you know what they went through, right. which really, I think, for me, makes it much more moving and 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 uh, sort of horrifying. Yeah, there's a lot off screen. You're right, but it's all so effective and very very chilling. Again, like really all the movies on this list, when you think that it really is based on a true story, yeah. it's it's even more so. Yeah. And uh, we're going to watch it on the big screen here in just a few minutes, so let's get back in there. How many people have seen this? Okay, we got a few, but a few that, more than a few that haven't, so we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. We'll just move on. We'll just we, move on. We don't want to spoil anything about the Snowtown murders, which is coming up here in just a few minutes. As we move on to number two, this is one we've talked about on the podcast a few times because we love it, 
and it's just from last year. It's about a young woman randomly abducted from a suburban street by a disturbed couple, Hounds of Love. Yeah, I read your little diary. Your mum wouldn't let you out, so you snuck out, didn't you? She's probably not even looking for you. <laughs> you think she's prettier than me? He doesn't love you. Now let's go in there and have a little bit of fun. Just so much about this movie that is right, and it's even more astounding when you consider it's the filmmaking debut Mm -hmm. of Ben Young. Who's the writer, writer and director? Writer and director, and it's just so confidently done. I mean, just from the—I remember watching it for the first time in the opening sequence. You you realize right away this guy. You don't know yet what kind of a, a, a you know a narrative storyteller he is, but you can tell right away he can do visual yeah. storytelling. I, I can see that already, and that carries out through the whole movie. The performances are great. The writing is great. The story, again, sadly based on true events, but it's it's gripping and it's it's really a. A horrific ride. It is, and 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 I think that um, one of the you know one of the quotes on the screen is that uh, brave audiences will be rewarded because it is a difficult movie to watch, but it doesn't. It's never exploitative at all. No, and um and it doesn't really victimize anybody. It gives all three characters uh, an opportunity to sort of show who they are as as human beings, uh, and and all three performances are really amazing, especially Emma Booth, Emma plays Booth, the, who, the female yeah, kidnapper. Yeah, you're right. They all are good, but she is, is probably the film's focal point, I would say, in terms of point of view, and not only visually, we talked about his visual storytelling, but I also love the use of music. Yeah. You know, there's that sequence with uh, Knights in White Satin, which is not a song I like, but it's really effective when they use it yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Well, and you said before uh, the images and the sound of, of airplanes flying yeah. overhead that really just gives you the sense of exactly how trapped not only the, the victim, but all of these people. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot about this movie that actually reminds me of the Snowtown murders. Mm. Uh, the, the, the two of them have a lot in common, I think. And a lot of it, too, is that is that the story is so much more compelling and horrifying because it's treated with such realism. Mm-hmm. As we said, it's the debut of Ben Young, who I'm very much looking forward to seeing what else he does. And the whole thing was, was done in 20 days. Wow. Yeah. Just amazing. So it's, a, it's an incredible debut and a great movie that we, is this on the, hopefully the calendar for next year? Well, I'm asking for Live? it. I'm asking for it. All right. So hopefully we'll have a chance to see it right here for a Fright Club Live next year. And that's Hounds of Love. And that takes us up to number one. Uh, if, if there's a movie that has set a record for being on the, this countdown, the most times. This has got to be it, so it needs no explanation from 1974, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I can't believe in this PowerPoint you didn't just slyly include your picture with Gunnar Hansen from <laughs> a few years ago. Well, you can see what a master I am with PowerPoint. <laughs> Sigh. Good um, point. Yeah. 
So this, in, in retrospect, this is not the most realistic of the films. The reason that it's on here, besides that it's my favorite movie, is that it really started it. Like, you know, in 1974, prior to this, if, if a movie uh, came out, a horror film came out and it had that sort of gritty verite style, it was usually accidental. It's because it was really low rent, low rent and they couldn't really make anything better. Uh, and Toby Hooper set out to, to do something different, to shoot in daylight, to, you know, avoid a score that gave you a sense of what was going to happen next to show really super sweaty people looking just gross and unhappy, to have Franklin. Come on, Franklin. It'll be fun. I love Franklin so much. Well, you know what? We've been seeing over the past few years, we've been seeing so many backstories. When, when are we going to get the Franklin backstory movie? I think you and I be the only people, people I was going to say, know. would anyone go to no, see that? only us. Um, it, and it is another one, you know, it, it, you know, they allege that it's based on a true, true events. It's not based on true events, right? They just take the, you know, Ed Gein made people like corpses into other stuff that's it that's the only thing that has anything to do with the true but again in 1974 between the very realistic presentation and then this legend that it was based on a true story i mean they scared the shit out of people in 1974 in the daylight yes yeah yeah you're right it did kind of start a a whole wave and uh an iconic movie no matter how much time passes no matter how much time how many times you see it Mm -hmm. That's why it's number one on our list of mm-hmm. realism in horror, and uh, we're up against the clock here because we got a movie to watch here in just a few minutes. But we got to give uh, a look ahead to the next Fright Club Live, which is going to be right back here at Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio. That'll be July 11th, and we are going to show... So this is our first big throwback movie. We're going to show Peeping Tom from 1960 because I've never seen it on a big screen. It's gorgeous, and I wanted to see it, and I'm just wielding my power just willy-nilly, like, get out the way. There's a shocker. <laughs> uh, and so we got the movie, but we don't have the topic. It's, we've whittled it down to two for that movie. It's gonna, either going to be the best of voyeurism or the best in prostitutes. So, you know. Do you have a preference? Weigh that. Prostitutes? Prostitutes. prostitutes? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll take votes on that. I don't know. Yeah. We'll let you let you come up with it. But that's looking ahead to uh, the next Fright Club Live. But before that, We'll have another regular Fright Club podcast, and it's we were just talking about this in Happy Hour. Yep. Hard to believe the year is just about half over, so it's time for us to do our countdown. Yep, we'll check in on the best horror films of the first half of 2018, so that'll be a one. And we've had one. some good ones. We have had some good ones. Some real good ones. We've so had that, some super shitty ones, too, though. Yes, but we'll, we'll accentuate the positive okay. and talk about the uh, best for the first half, so that should be good. Let us know uh, what you think about this countdown or anything else that's going on. Uh, you can find us, the easiest way to find us on social media is on our Twitter which is at Mad Wolf, or the special Fright Club Twitter, which is Fright Club Pod, and that's where we hope to get your ideas. For uh, your favorite, based on true events, horror film. And if you have a vote, prostitutes or voyeurism, you know, you can let us know that Throw there that too. in there, too. Yeah. And also, a reminder, if you're digging the tunes, digging the jams on Fright Club, you can always find our uh, Fright Club Hits podcast on Spotify. So all sorts of things going on. Tons. So we look forward to that uh, until the next podcast, until we uh, hook up again. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friend.